Today in the Attorney Career Advice Podcast with Harrison Barnes. Personal securities attorneys, they just wanted someone to handle the work for a year or two years if you pass the bar now. You can start out um, literally. Now, is that good to do your whole career? No. Okay, let's see this. What can we do if we're in the job hunt and want some experience in legal, but have not yet passed the bar exam in a regional market that has some larger firms and is rapidly expanding Charlotte? paralegal, but mostly for cert programs. Okay. First thing I recommend is before you accept any job, this is just my opinion, uh, you should pass the bar. People don't care uh, after you've been practicing uh, for a year or two years, if you pass the bar or not, it doesn't matter to them. Uh, They're not going to remember you're not passing the bar, but you really need to pass the bar probably before you take a job. So why is that? Because you're going to get something that's below what you're capable of without passing the bar. So you always want to pass the bar first, probably. You can take a job with the firm after you've failed the bar a couple of times, but you're going to be much better off taking a job with a firm after you pass the bar because you don't want to hold them hold that against you. You don't want to be remembered for not passing the bar. You just want to pass it. And the bar, by the way, is not something that's by nature very hard. The only people that don't pass are the people who don't study enough because you can study and pass it. So I personally would recommend just doing whatever you can but to pass it and then going to the best firm you can. You just need to be careful. If you accept it, if a firm hires you without a, the bar, that they, they hire first-year associates that have, have taken the bar during the summer but are, or have taken studied and taken the bar for the first time, but it's much harder to get hired if you don't have the bar. Okay, here's another question. In other webinars, and thank you for being in other webinars, you suggest you should work for the best law firm you can, for as long as you can. I've been doing that for 10 years, but as you describe, I feel unfulfilled due to a lack of tribe as someone in this situation. Should I continue looking at the best firm possible to look at a tribe? No, you should find um, a tribe at this point. There's no reason to be unhappy. Um, you should use your experience to get a job uh, at a firm that matches what you're interested in. And you should apply to a lot of firms that do the type of work you do. You don't need a recruiter to do it. You can do it on your own. Um, you sound like a great candidate, but I'm just telling you that it doesn't really matter. You can apply to firms in all sorts of ways. I believe that you should probably get into a firm right away as soon as possible that you're comfortable in. You have plenty of time if you're not going to get fired. You can talk to a lot of people and you can reach a decision about where you would be best suited in the long run. So what's an example? Um, one, one guy I found a job for once. There used to be a firm called Preston Gates and Ellis. And now it's part of, I don't know, another, another firm, but Gates obviously is, what's it called? Bill Gates' father, who's named after him. So there was a job opening at the firm. And I had this candidate that was in Chicago that hadn't worked uh, as a securities attorney in three or four years, but he'd been a partner in a major firm and had taken some time off to try to start a business. And so he wanted to go back into securities law. I helped him apply to firms all over the country. And this firm, Preston Gates and Ellis, was very interested in him and interviewed him. And they only had at the time one securities attorney. It was a regional firm in Seattle, but they wanted to hire him because they wanted Bill, the attorney that was there was leaving to go be Bill Gates, who's obviously multi-billionaire, personal securities attorney. So they just wanted someone to handle the work and they had plenty of work for him and he could work there without generating business because there was so much work. And so they ended up Hiring him, he's very happy. He's actually still there after all these mergers and everything. 
So he found a tribe, a place where he's comfortable, a place where he was the only person that they had. And so this is this is how you find tribes. And and it was actually one of my first placements. And he said to me something I'll never forget. He said, you came ahead in this one because you were able to believe in me and stuff. And so people say that to me all the time, who's believing in you? Who You need people to believe in you. And very few people believe in us. And that's, you need that in your career. That's what you need from tribes. So it's just very important to have people believe in you. This next question is, I recently joined a firm about six months ago after a prior situation did not work out. A more prestigious competitor in my market and practice has signaled its interest and interviewed me for a lateral move, phone interview with an HR recruiter. The firm is larger, more profitable. The office is considering has moved, moved around longer and is larger. There are more associates and the pay is better. I'm doing very well in my current firm and have a good relationship here. What do you suggest? Move stay. Okay, so those relationships are more valuable than money. Money and prestige are one thing, but feeling secure and supported is a good thing. Also, it doesn't look good in your resume if you move after six months. Even It doesn't even look good if you move after a year. You typically want to try to give it at least a couple of years. And, and just because it, it's very hard to be marketable in the future if you look like someone that's going to leave. One of the things that I did years ago in hiring recruiters is I always looked at like how long did they stay at their last job? Because so I would hire someone that had been their last job for a year and the job before that for a year, and they would leave within a year. I would hire someone that had been at their last job for two years, and then they would leave within two years. I would hire someone that had been at the last job for eight years, and they would stay at our firm eight years. I'd hire someone that had been there 15 years. They would stay at our firm 15 years. So people are just in, by nature looking out for themselves and they're trying to always have the best situation, but the people that are able to stay in the long term ultimately are the most marketable. People want to hire people like that. So where are you? I'm not, but I would probably try to stay where you're at. Um, how do you engineer a future legal career with entrepreneurship aspirations, mulling, consulting? Um, okay. It's, um, you don't want to necessarily, you need to go into any legal career when you start um, with the idea of being trained. So you need to be trained um, in one practice area. You need to be trained and and just thinking you want to be an entrepreneur uh, right away um, is not a good idea. You need to, uh, if you want to, uh, again, you can be an entrepreneur. There's plenty of stories of people dropping out of law school or right out of law school being an entrepreneur. But if you want to still be part of the legal industry and 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 consult, you're going to need a lot of to learn a lot about international trade. Not only are you going to need to learn a lot about international trade, but you're going to be able to be seen as an expert in it. And being an expert in it probably means that you're going to join, you're going to become a partner or something, and, and then use those credentials to start a business. But going into something with the idea of starting a business right away is always not the best idea. Do you know the secrets to getting your dream legal job? We do. And one of the best things you can do is apply to jobs that fly under the radar. Applying to openings with very little competition means you stand a much higher chance of getting hired. But how do you find openings like that? For starters, you're not going to find them on major job boards because these jobs are usually only advertised on companies' websites and in small regional publications. That is why we created Law Crossing, the most comprehensive database of legal jobs in the world. We have a team of people constantly working to find every single legal job out there. Unlike other job boards, 
which only lists jobs that companies pay to post. We include every legal job we can find in order to maximize your chances of finding a job. So what are you waiting for? Head over to www.lawcrossing.com to find your dream legal job today. And thank you, everyone who's asking these questions. They're all very good questions. Okay, this next question is, how do you work successfully as a new associate with partners who do not want you to catch their mistakes and who will chastise, punish, or accuse you of doing something wrong if you stumble across a major issue flagged for them they may have missed early on? This is, we covered a lot of this idea last week. If possible, it would be awesome to maybe review that webinar if it's live online yet. But this question, yeah, there's people like that. You, sometimes people are very uptight and have regrets or are mad when you catch things and they're very, it's just how it is. You, you need to figure it out, I guess is a good way of saying that. What does that mean? That means you need to be able to and talk to that person. You need to be able to figure out how you can work with someone effectively without, without getting in trouble. So all that means is you need to be very careful about when you talk, when you do work for them, not putting yourself in a position where you're going to get in trouble and where you're protecting their ego. So people like that want to feel important. They're, they're, they have a belief in themselves that they're very good or whatever. They don't want to be around people that upset their ego just as you don't. So if you're around someone, like for example, this is a weird story, but when I was, I'm going to tell So when I was growing up, my father had remarried and he had a new friend or a new, her, he had a daughter and that daughter had had a very difficult childhood and her best friend that was my age lived in a, was very poor, lived in a trailer park. Um, but I had a crush on this girl and, and she was not reciprocating, even though she seemed to like me a lot. I don't know. But, and my dad said something like, she knows that this isn't going to work out because you're from different environments and, and it's just, it's not who she wouldn't be comfortable with you. So here I am talking about going to eighth grade colleges and, and she's dropped out of high school or middle school or something. So the point is like you, you sometimes people um, are protecting uh, their view of themselves. And if they're around people that expose a part of them that um, makes them feel like they're a bad attorney or makes them feel like they're incompetent. And it's something that they need to believe uh, in order to feel like they're great people. Then, then you need to be basically massage their ego and make them say things that make them feel good about themselves and realize that their ego is very sensitive and they have problems um, that have nothing to do with you. So you just need to be very careful about that. And, and it's just, this is how different people are. I remember when I was practicing law, I was one day, I was doing, this partner asked me to spend the weekend writing a very quick summary of a deposition he'd taken. So I did, and he read it. And there was one part of my summary that could have been taken in a bad light. I said something like, then you ask the same question again, and that you had asked an hour previously and you got the same answer or something. And he was really pissed. Like he came into my office and he was mad. And so you just, you need to make your superiors look good. That's the conclusion that I have. You want to make your superiors look good. You don't want to mess with their ego. You don't want them to think that you're better than them because when people think you're better than them, like me trying to date this girl, things will, they will, you'll hurt their ego. People want to feel like they're important and they're good people. So you just need to work that out. My firm wants me to practice in a nearby state in the Midwest, 
but my UB score was just below uh, the needed score. I was embarrassed to reveal this to my employee. Uh, I was embarrassed to reveal this to the, oops, sorry. Yeah, I would retake it. Just these scores and things, it's just a question of how much you study. And, and you, you should, if you can, you want to avoid telling them. If you do tell them, you need to say, I was working really hard at the time and that sort of thing. I would retake it just so you can get the work if I were you. I, I wouldn't uh, publicize it. I wouldn't, if you can, I wouldn't tell people about it. I would just be very careful about that. You don't, part of being an attorney, by the way, is you never want to do anything that telegraphs any form of weakness because um, that can be used against you. So in the DNA of the legal profession is the idea that um, when you have a client, you never want to portray weakness. Um, your client could have chopped someone's head off with an ax, but you want to, you'll justify it by mental illness and was mean to them. I mean, whatever. Um, so your job is to defend people and to put them in the best light. And that's just what attorneys are expected to do. If an attorney does the opposite and doesn't vigorously represent their client, then no one respects them. So it's the same thing with you as an attorney. If you can't represent yourself in the best light possible, and you're working and looking weak and talking about your personal life in a negative way or making mistakes or drinking too much or formalities, like you, you don't make yourself look weak. You have to portray an image that makes yourself look strong and, and, and not talk about failing the bar, not talk about relationship problems, not talk about things that you've messed up. Not, and you just, you have to protect yourself and you have to know how to do it. And you don't talk about people negatively um, in your firm. That's not protecting your client because if you talk about partners in a negative way, your client is you, you, you're the, 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 their client is you. You're essentially the client of the partner that's giving you work. If you don't do a good job with it, then you're not protecting yourself as a client. So you just need to be very careful about this stuff. And I'm sorry to have drawn on. I know what I'm saying is a little odd, but not odd, but not necessarily something you want to hear, but it's what you need to hear. What do you recommend for someone in his 50s who just passed the bar and became a registered patent agent for within a couple of years, but he's multidisciplinary, would like to do commercial litigation and work with a VC or startup? Okay, so I talk about this a lot and it's very important. You always want to look like a specialist in something. Resumes that talk about one practice area are going to get more interviews than someone that talks about multiple practice areas. People want to hire experts just as you would want an expert if you were um, accused of a crime. If you were accused of a horrible crime, you would want to find a good criminal lawyer. If you had a horrible, if you had a heart attack, then you would want to go to a heart doctor. If you, if you had a if you had brain surgery, you want a brain, and you would want to go to a brain doctor. So people want specialists that you can't. You have to look like a specialist. Now, if you're in your 50s and you're in the patent bar, there's a reason you did that. I would recommend trying to be a patent agent and or a patent attorney. Like patent attorneys can practice forever, but switching over to commercial litigation with a VC or startup. I don't really understand what their incentive would be to hire someone that's a patent attorney to work as litigation. It seems like you'd be immediately in over your head. If I was a company, I would want to hire someone for, for commercial litigation that was a commercial litigator in their 50s. I've been doing commercial litigation their entire career. So that's just how I would think about it and how I believe you should. Okay, this is a good question. So this question is, is it a bad thing to have too many moves in a short period of time, even if it was much more prestigious firms? Now, this question, by the way, is a very good exception to my idea that you 
that you shouldn't necessarily move firms too much. And I'll tell you why. So there are really five levels of firms. There's five firms, four firms, three firms, two firms, and one firms. What does that mean? So a five firm is the top, most prestigious. It's like something just it's unattainable for most people. It's firms that hire most of the people out of their summer associate programs, rarely do the best work. The cost is no object of clients. They don't, they don't care. You can send them a bill for $2 million, they'll pay it. So there's that. Then you have your four firms, which are things like your AMLAW 100 firms or AMLAW, the biggest, I would say like the biggest, biggest and most profitable, probably 200 firms, maybe 200 to 300 firms. Then you have your mid-level, middle-sized firms. Um, oh, and then just here, I would say cost, cost important clients, but not everything. Then you have your middle-sized firms, and those are typically, and these represent represent companies. And this is important. I'm not trying to spend a lot of time on this, but it, it's important to understand. Cost, relatively unimportant, but more important than fives. And typically, these will always have general counsels for doing work. These will also always have, these are mid-sized firms representing, and they are just say your largest clients, public companies. Okay, and you have your middle-sized firms, which are generally, they can be regional firms, firms, they sometimes national, these represent primarily companies, regional companies, I would say, and less likely to be in major markets. So they might be, you might have a regional firm in Florida, things like that. For example, Shuts and Bowen or something. It's just, it's a middle-sized firm, it's regional. Um, these, and these mostly represent companies companies with general counsels. And I, this is all very important. So I'll explain to you because you're asking about move counsels and relatively cost sensitive, relatively somewhat cost, somewhat cost sensitive. So what this means, just so you understand, is it means here that you could send this firm, could send this bill for three, could send a bill for bill for $3 million and client would pay relatively without much objection. Here, biggest might be billed for 500,000 or 300, 200,000 to millions sometimes, you know, million and I don't know, 200 to 500K, something like that, or maybe a little bit more client will pay, just like your monthly bills. Here, average client will pay. Here, these middle-sized firms, you start getting into things like 50K a month. And then, I'm sorry, and this is very important. Now here, you get firms that represent represent cost-sensitive small companies and individuals, some money to spend, likely no general, likely, no. and then here you represent with money to spend, but likely no general counsel and bills likely to be 5,000, know, 5,000 to 25,000 a month. Uh, and maybe not even that, but that's the idea, cost-sensitive. And then here you have this street, you know, the individuals, without a lot of without a lot of financial resources, which would be DUIs, purpose comp, things like that, maybe personal injury. So what does this mean to your moving? So the idea and the dream is what happens is you can start out um, literally at a one firm, move to a two firm, do well there, move to a three firm, then move to a four firm, probably not a five firm, but it happens. I've seen it happen. Do you want to grow your legal career? A lateral move might be the right choice to get you on track for your career goals. 
Working with a legal placement firm like BCG Attorney Search can open doors for you and help you live the life you dream of. If you're looking for a new legal job, send us your resume so we can help. Visit www.bcgsearch.com and click on Submit Resume to be paired with one of our legal placement professionals who will work tirelessly on your behalf to get you your dream legal job. Submit your resume to www.bcgsearch.com to get started today. So when you get it, when you're in law school and people are looking at your grades and all that sort of thing, you're, you may be at a law school where everyone goes to a four firm and you may feel horrible because you are only get a job at a two firm for whatever reason or a three firm. So the objective is if you're representing companies in with money, with not, with not much money to spend, then what you really want to do is try to move from a two firm to a three firm, which is possible, but be in a practice area where you're in demand. So you have to decide what that is. And then if you move to a three firm, generally, um, if you do really well there, you might even be able to move to a four firm. Why would a four firm be interested in you? Because they love people that are hungry and moving up uh, in different prestige levels because that shows uh, upward mobility. So upward mobility, um, people that show um, upward mobility, um, that show upward mobility, mobility um, are very attractive to law firms. Everybody um, likes to see people trying to improve themselves. So in your case, yes, um, I would say, why not try to move up? If you move up, you're going to be exposed to more expense. You're going to be, be exposed to high, more highly exposed to more highly sophisticated work and demands. So that's actually a good thing. Now, is that good to do your whole career? No, but if you can do it, that's good because you're going to be putting yourself in a position where you're going to prove and approve as an attorney. You're also going to look better to firms uh, in the future when they can see all of that upward mobility because the more, not only you make more money, but you'll be able to work um, on more, I can't spell sophisticated, me. You will be um, in a much better position. Jeez, I'm not even going to worry about it. This. So you may score some more higher working demands and probably become a better attorney. And people love to see upward mobility. It's built into the whole idea of being an American and coming over as an immigrant. You can do whatever you want and succeed where you can in other countries. So it's built into the DNA of this country that you want to be, you want to do whatever you can to try to move up and get into better firms. So you, it's great if you can do that. Um, that's good. Now, it's not to say you want to do that your whole career and you, you need to find people that will protect you, but it's hugely important. So I very much like um, your question and I think it's very smart. Um, so let me just see here. Okay, well, I think that's all the questions for today. I very much appreciate everybody being on this webinar. I think that the content uh, of today's webinar could, should help you very much. And I'm very pleased that everybody here listened and hopefully learned a lot. This topic, I think, is obviously um, something that I think is very important. So um, thank you um, again for um, being here. And um, and I hope everyone has a great week. Um, I'm not sure um, what we're going to do for the webinar next week. Um, I do have a webinar that I was thinking about doing. Um, it's something that I recently wrote about. It's highly personal in nature. It's about people believing in you and how important it is to put yourself in an environment where people believe in you, which is getting mentors and things. And it's a topic that where I talk a lot about myself. I may do that. I don't, but I want people to understand how kind of your life can change in your career 
when you have people around you that believe in you, whether it's your spouse or your parent or attorneys to law firms and how important that is. So I'm excited to give that presentation. If I do next week, I, I may not because it's a little bit too personal, but I may. And, but if not, we'll choose a good topic. So thank you everyone for being here. That's all the time we have for this edition of the show. If you are an attorney looking for a change, head on to bcgsearch.com.